This is a Sydney EO production. Welcome to episode nine of the Sydney EO Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm joined with Francisca Isley. Hey, hey, Brendan. Thanks I, for having did me. I, did I pronounce your <laughs> name correctly? I think the name coaching was a success. You wouldn't believe um, we've done like 10 minutes of training before that. I thought I would stuff it up. But a minimum, yeah. I'm, I'm, glad I, I'm glad I cut the muscle. Nailed it. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what you do, Francisca. Yeah, so here where we are right now, we're sitting at our headquarters of Basic Bananas, which is one of my businesses. Uh, I can tell you a little bit about the other ones too, but this one is the one that most people know me for. It's one of my first companies called Basic Bananas. And I started this business almost 10 years ago, next year. We oh, have cool. Our, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. We have our anniversary next year. And the business started because I used to work in advertising and I saw a little bit of a need in the market for smaller companies that couldn't afford our agency that I used to work in to understand how to market properly. So small businesses mainly, they couldn't afford us and <clears throat> and often they also didn't know how to promote their businesses in a engaging, attractive and educational way. So often they would just throw money at some marketing strategies that didn't work or you know, maybe just do a little bit of SEO or do a little bit of digital advertising, just stuff that sort of worked but not really and they often didn't know what else to do to attract customers and so started Basic Bananas in order to educate small companies. And so is it more local advertising or do you go, no. do you splash bigger than that? Yeah, so in terms of what we teach, so it's a, a program, it's a, an annual program. Our major offering is a, an annual program for small, medium-sized companies. And what they learn in this program is both online and offline strategies. And depending on the business, it's you know local strategies for local customers, but also more online strategies to reach a wider audience. It really depends on the company that is going through the program. But it's what we what we first started in Sydney. You know, sometimes I still pinch myself a little bit because I moved to Sydney 14 years ago from Switzerland. Obviously, you can hear an accent. Sometimes I, I didn't pick that up. Yeah, I know most people don't. <laughs> 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 hey, you know what's funny about that? Obviously, I have a huge accent, but in the US, so so we started in Sydney and. Then we launched into all major cities in Australia over the next years, Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth, Brisbane, Newcastle, etc. And then we started in New Zealand. And then three years ago, I think, we started in Canada. And then this year, in January, we started in the US and going into Switzerland finally after 10 years. And so where we, we, we now have the program in, in you know four different countries and about the accent. So I'm in the US a lot now. Just to set up, still it's still a, you know very small in the US. We only started this year, and really trying to crack into that market. We have people there, so we, I, I do need people there because I'm a foreigner, and <laughs> yeah, you know they need so, someone local. So your programs are they? It's like an online offline blend, or is or is it depending on the student or the company how they want to learn? No, it's 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 a set structure. So how it works is it's a 12 months program and the businesses that we work with, they come in small groups. So we, we put together a small group environment, 12 people usually. Right? From, from different companies? From different companies, exactly. Yeah. Usually it's the business owner. Sometimes it's also their marketing manager. 
Yep. Sometimes it's the business owner and their partner. You know, if a wife or a husband wants to help with the marketing, sometimes it's the business owner and an admin person that they want to train up to learn how to do better marketing. And then they come in every month in their same group, 12 businesses or so, and every month they learn new strategies. And it's very structured, so it's a very step-by-step program. So in the first month, they learn all about marketing strategy. So what is your overarching strategy that you are going to use for the next 12 months? And then in between their live sessions, so they actually come in physically mm. into the locations. That's why we are you know, in, in those cities because that's where we now can travel to. In you know in the, in Australia and the other countries I mentioned before, and so they come in every month, and then in between each live session, they also have a weekly call where they can jump on all the different. There's, there are uh, I think 530 something members at the moment globally, and so on the weekly calls every Tuesday they can come, and it's a live call a webinar where we can review their campaigns in between the live sessions. So I've seen a lot of this kind of. I don't know, course advocates on Facebook at the moment. Is that is that do you think you've got in before that? Do you know do you know what I mean? Like yeah, every I second definitely know what you mean, every yeah. second news feed is like some consultant yeah. course that's gonna teach mm-hmm. you to do XYZ and make a seven figure income. And yeah. How do you get clients? I think did we get in before that? We probably we started ten years ago almost next year, so we probably did get in before a lot of this stuff. But I think what makes it different is that most of these seven figure income or you know make money in your underpants, first of all, are run by people who you, have never. Incidentally, made. you should see what Francisca's <laughs> wearing at the moment. I won't. I won't go into that. Yeah, we that, don't. We yeah, don't share don't that, right? No, that, we no. don't talk about that. Yeah, I am uh, known for for uh, <laughs> not wearing clothes, but we don't talk yeah, about that. Okay. Okay. So. We, so these people often are run, these courses are often run by business by people who have not had a business before or have never made money. They just teach you how to make money in your underpants, which doesn't usually happen. And secondly, a lot of these programs also don't have that life component that we have, where because it's harder work. You know, it's it would be easier for us to just sell online because then yeah. we don't have to worry about hiring venues and sending people and flying everywhere it's uh, you know it's a very See, logistical easier to opt out in online as well like i'm doing yeah. an online course at the moment and i'm weeks and weeks behind because i know i can catch up yeah at well point. but at least you started because also with online courses people buy them but then they never do a thing with them whereas and i don't want that i want people to get results so when we have them come in here once a month here in sydney or any other city they have to do stuff yeah. and they sometimes feel guilty because they know oh my session is coming up it's a three hour session three and a half hour session they know oh tomorrow i have my session with basic bananas and i haven't done my homework so to speak yeah and so they feel a little bit guilty and then they have to do stuff and i want them to implement because otherwise there's no point in running this business so that's the difference i think yeah we did get in a little bit before maybe but also i think a lot of these courses don't necessarily work because people don't take action and so, how many people do you think you've trained over the last 10 years? You've got 530 members at the moment. Yeah, so I reckon in that program, in the in the annual program, we would have trained maybe around 5,000 people or so. But then also in the wider community, we have, you know, we do weekly videos and we have a podcast, do a weekly podcast the audience would be more in the hundreds thousands globally wow these are not paying customers yeah, obviously of course. this is just an audience so yeah. is that part of your marketing strategy to yeah. get 
some valuable content out there and then a percentage of those, probably a small percentage, like a lot of businesses, would come back and exactly. say, I really like what Basic Bananas are saying. Yeah. Give me some more. Exactly. And because we are quite, you know, we're, we're quite cheeky and, and the way we do things is quite relaxed, but, but it's very it's very solid and it's very strategic, but it's very, you know, also with my social media team here, I always tell them, you're allowed to be brave on social. You don't have to do the conventional thing. You're allowed to say things that people wouldn't normally say or say it in a little bit more of a cheeky way. And so with our content, the same way, we're very relaxed and, and but very strategic. So people either like it or they don't. Yeah. And if they don't, it's also great. Yeah. That's right. Well, they're not the type of client, exactly. clients that you want if they don't no. resonate with what you're saying. Exactly. Although the, already the name Basic Bananas, it doesn't attract a very conservative market. Yeah. You know, the conservative market, they would go to Marketing Institute Australia or, you know, actually my very, very first mentor 10 years ago, she she told me when I said, I'm going to call this company Basic Bananas. She's like, nah, that's a really bad idea. And I just said, nah, I need to call this something that I can make fun because if i call it marketing institute it's not it, it doesn't feel right for me yeah for my brand yeah that makes sense so have you we're, we're sitting in a in your office here in narrabeen uh just opposite the beach yeah how does that play into sort of what you've created yeah it's a great question because i'm very much a believer of building my business around my lifestyle always have been and this business would definitely be bigger if i didn't have the lifestyle that i have because i travel a lot and my house is just i walked here this morning yeah. i can walk here i can skip here i can almost swim here actually because it's a lake right here <laughs> <laughs> i can skateboard here i can ride a motorbike or bicycle it's it's perfect i don't want to have to commute into the city if i had a headquarters in the city we would be bigger so for me it's a very much of a trade of what do i want and i want a really good lifestyle so i set up the office right where i want to live yeah. i've lived here for Maybe 12 years in Arabin. Oh, perfect. Okay. And, and I, the I, surf is great here. Uh, I know. And not too many people. No. Nah. But more like localized grumpy people. But you can sort yeah, of you can deal with that. a little bit get away from it. Yeah. <laughs> and do all your staff live locally as well? A lo- yeah, most of them. There's maybe two live in the city. One lives in near the airport. So it's a bit of a commute for her. Yeah. She she loves it, but what's the funny thing about my team is they slowly and surely move. They all move to Narbin. One girl, she just bought a an apartment here in Narabin. She used to live in Newport, and they have this team. We have a really good team culture because again, we're pretty less affair. But as long as we get stuff done, it's cool. They can yep. they have flexible work hours. We go swimming or surfing at lunchtime sometimes, and they can work from home and you know every now and then. So they all want to stay, which is good. If, especially if they're really amazing, which most of them are. So they all solely want to move to Narabin and they have this vision of the basic bananas retirement village <laughs> in <laughs> Narabin. We just buy well, that, up that, all of Narabin. That, that could be uh, another one of your businesses in the future. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> so you, you talked about lifestyle. Tell me a bit, little bit about, you said you like to travel. Tell me about yeah. what a typical month looks like for Francisco. Yeah, this year has been extra crazy and I do feel like you know, in all honesty, I do feel like the business needs me to actually focus on focus on a little more. TLC. Yeah, I have been this year. I have been definitely away a lot. So I did a, I was away actually for three months, which was amazing. 
I, I, my team is very honest with me too. I had dinner with one of my leaders the other day, and she said, "Francisca, we need your why. We need. We, it's okay when you're why, but we feel sometimes a little bit lost in terms of the why. They're really good at the how, hmm. but they said we need a little bit more why. And so, you know, are you going to be away again a lot next year? And I will be away a little bit, but not not maybe three months at a time. But I'm a little bit on a mission right now to travel around the world on a motorbike and it all started maybe a little bit I was sort of maybe questioning a little bit like almost like a midlife crisis but maybe I'm a little bit too young for that but last year end of last year I started to question a lot of things in my life and then I thought maybe I need to do something to challenge myself you know a lot of people walk the Camino de Santiago you know the the way in, in you know that, that yeah, yeah, yeah in, in Spain, in Spain yep. mm-hmm. and I didn't want to I don't want to hike and, you know I grew up hiking I don't want to go hiking <laughs> it's got to have a twist on it with you Francisco <laughs> yeah. I would imagine that's far too normal <laughs> it's it way needs, too it normal. needs to be like a motorbike motorbike through Iran yeah. or you know I yeah. don't know something a little bit more exotic yeah so then I thought you know what I'm going to just ride a motorbike and just start in Switzerland and then just ride it east along the Silk Road I thought hey how about I follow Marco Polo you know, it would be cool to ride along the Marco Polo road through through Eastern Europe into Central Asia and then and then through Asia and just go, go east. And then I had this idea and then I thought, you know what, stuff it. I'm just going to do it. And so I did. I went to Switzerland in May, June, bought a motorbike, had some challenges actually getting it registered because I thought it would be easy because I'm a Swiss citizen, but I'm not a resident. So... Right. Unfortunately, I had to break the news to my poor mom. <laughs> that she was now the proud owner of a, a well, motorbike? Well, that she's or? also the proud mother of a daughter who is going to ride a motorbike through Iran. Not <laughs> very good news. <laughs> so I copped a lot of, uh, you know, challenges from uh, her. Okay. Poor, you know, I didn't okay. want to really shock her too much. She, she said, I wish you had never told me and I wish I hadn't, but I had to. Because oh, right. she was the proud owner also of the motorbike. Okay. Because I had to do it in her name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so then I started riding and it was amazing. I rode through... Was this just by yourself? Or? No, then... So this is a funny thing. So I thought, I'm going to do this by myself. I need to challenge myself. I know nothing about... fix. I could not fix a motorbike. I know nothing. I know how to start it. I know how I'm, I'm confident riding. I would not know if the bike breaks down what to do. I can sort of jump start it now. I learned a little bit how to do that, but that's about it. But I thought, you know what, it doesn't matter. There's always a solution. I'll find someone who helps me. And then I always land on my feet. So then I went to the Bahamas for an event, a, a business event I was speaking at. And I met this guy, Mike Klein. And we spoke over dinner about motorbikes. And he said, I said, hey, I'm going to do this trip. He's like, what? No way. He said, I've been wanting to do this for like a decade. And he's an engineer. He knows everything about motorbikes. And he said, I wanted to do this for a decade. I never found anyone who wants to go. Do you think I could come? And I just met this guy. I'm like, I don't know. And I also met his girlfriend. She seemed really cool. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to have a company with me. And then we just kept talking. And I thought, you know what? It would be maybe a bit smart for the first leg of this trip to have someone who knows more than I do. And so we did it together. And I left my bike in Georgia in Central Asia and I'm going to go back in May hopefully and then continue east and yeah Storage King? No <laughs> no. Storage King Hey okay. I found this <laughs> random Georgian <laughs> this student totally random student in Georgia who has a garage and I'm paying him 40 US dollars I hope he's still there my bike yeah. is called <coughs> King Giorgio it might still be there or not Yeah 40 US dollars a month a month okay that's yeah, pretty to good to put my bike into some random garage Okay Oh, hey, it'll I'll be fine. He's texting me. It's yeah, all going to be fine. Totally. He's texting me every now and then. He's, he's giving me updates. Hey, your bike is still looking pretty. I'm like, great. Excellent. 
Maybe I'll, sold it. <laughs> well, that, that sounds... Um, and so you're going to complete the rest of the trip. I want to do the whole of the world, but I have to do it in stages. I can only maybe go... Next year I might go for five weeks yep. and just continue east, maybe all the way to Kazakhstan or Mongolia. I'm not sure how far I can get. Yep. And then I'm going to leave the bike again. And then I come back here again. And then I might go again in, in their autumn, in spring here. Yep. And so with the engineer that you um, met, did that Mike, all work? Did that work yeah, out well? Yes. Super great travel buddy. And we had, you know, really honest conversations about what we wanted from the trip. And, and he was super respectful and just like a brother. He was great. And he wants to, he's completely hooked on the idea. So he wants to do the whole world too. So wow. we'll see if he's American. So I want to go through Iran. I don't think he can do Iran. So I said maybe we can just meet in a different in Turkmenistan, for example. Yeah. So yeah, he wants to continue. I definitely want to continue, and we were a good team. And so when you go on a trip like that, um, because I, I do a lot of travel myself, and I've now I've worked at my businesses out. So as long as I've got internet, I can yeah. I can basically play yeah. and 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 work at the same time. Yeah. Are you doing a similar sort Same. of thing? Or? Yeah, yeah. I'm a little bit. I love working. I I love working, so I always have my laptop with me. And normally, when I travel, I get to work quite a bit because I get up super early, and then I work when everyone is sleeping, and then again in the night. And I was going to do the same on this motorbike trip, but I think I did less work than I thought I would because it was having also, too much fun. Yeah, I was having a lot of fun, and also it it really took it out of me a little bit, also physically. Okay. Being on a bike for, you know, sometimes eight hours a day. And I, I bet the roads aren't probably no. first world either. So. Uh-uh. A lot of off-roads, uh, especially in Turkey and Georgia, was a lot of off-roads. So I was very, like, sore. and like yeah. I was physically challenged, actually. So I didn't wake up always super early. And I, you know, I tried to sleep like seven or so, eight hours. And then also we did a lot of wine tasting in the evenings. And so yeah. often... I had my intentions and I, I still, you know, worked a few hours a day, but not nearly as much as I thought I would. Was there ever a time that you felt in danger? Mm-mm. You know, I was talking to someone the other day how a lot of people, because Turkey has a bit of a bad name at the moment because of Erdogan. And I was very cu- I was curious about Turkey because a lot of my also Swiss friends, they are not into Turkey at the moment because of the political situation. And a lot of them said, I wouldn't go especially as a woman and so I was curious about it and I, I said to someone the other day I never felt endangered I Turkey was the one country that touched me the most in my heart because people were so kind and generous and there was just random stuff like I would pull up into a supermarket somewhere in the mountains in Turkey to grab a few things to then go up the mountain and I walked into the store and this Turkish guy walks in older guy and he, you know, they don't speak English. I don't speak Turkish. Such so as symbolism and signage, and he's he waves me to come, follow him. So I walk out the store. Mike is standing outside, and Mike says to me, "Hey, what are you doing?" I said, "Oh, I'm just following a stranger." He's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I said to Mike, "Maybe if I'm not back in, you know, ten, fifteen minutes, just come look for me." He's like, "Okay." So I follow this guy, total stranger, and I follow him down the road, and we end up in a bakery, and this guy buys me fresh bread. Beautiful. Yeah, and then it gets better. And then, okay, great. I love fresh bread. And then we walk back to the store, and then he points out a few things for me to buy. I'm like, okay, you know, buy some different things in the store. And then I go to the checkout, and I give the girl my wallet to grab the money to buy for my groceries. And the guy pushes in, pushes me to the side, and pays for all my groceries. Oh. And that's it. And then he was like, hey, thank you. We had, you know, we tried to have a little bit of a conversation. We couldn't really, and we took a selfie, and then that's it. 
And this was the whole time. The yeah. whole trip was yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, like that every day. Yeah. Random, Pretty random much. things. Random strangers giving and being generous and helping and uh, amazing. So this is probably a good segue into your involvement with EO. You're currently the learning chair. Mm-hmm. Why did you take up that position? Yeah, you know, it was actually, I have to credit Gina. So it was Gina's idea to for us both. Gina and I both joined EO three, four years ago. And she then two years ago said, hey, let's do the learning chair together. And it is a very important chair, I believe. And No pressure. No pressure, I know. <laughs> I know. And I said yes. And then a year or so ago, Kyle called. And I think Kyle is an amazing human. So he called and he said, hey, can you do the learning chair? Because I was doing co-chair with Gina and Mark. Mark is, you know, used to be the chair and did an amazing job. And so Kyle said, hey, are you willing to step up to the chair now? And I, I, I really value Kyle and I knew he would be a great president and he would be great to work with. And so I just said yes. And then Gina is going to now do the chair next year. That's great. Yeah. And so how much time is it taking for you to, to you run know, this? It's a, it's a year-long commitment? Or yeah. The learning chair one is a year. And then because it is quite intensive, then most of the chairs you do two years. The learning one, you usually just say you do a year and then you give it to someone else because it is quite a lot of time. Mm. And it's been really great. It it took time in the beginning definitely to just get in touch with contacts. And, but again, you know, like some of my best people that I found to come and speak were just randoms. Like I, I was on a plane to Malaysia and I met this guy that was sitting behind me this 78 year old guy and he starts talking to me and then as we walk off and he happens to be one of the YPO founders here in Sydney and then he connected me with all these other amazing people like Marcus Blackmore and mm. just great speakers and it was a lot of you know a lot uh, some contacts I already had and a lot of them were just people that I met some through random chance meetings on planes <laughs> yeah it's almost like you put yourself in a situation and then yeah. the doors start opening yeah. to support that and people pathway. are way exactly and people are you know way more willing to say yes than you think because EO is a great organization and i think i think a lot of the speakers are happy to support us and what we do so it's been definitely quite a time commitment also to push back we also get a lot of speakers that approach us that's the other thing like i get a lot of emails from people that want to speak Oh, that's event. interesting. I never, I never considered that that it would be yeah. the people knocking on. But we don't want them often. Right. Yeah, like uh, this you is only not want the, the ones that are a bit hard to get. Yeah, this is not, and this is not to be mean, but a lot of the speakers that do email us are speakers that I don't think are unique experiences for us. They're great. I think they're definitely great, and they would be great for a lot of events. We are trying to do things a little bit differently, and we're trying to get speakers that are not speakers. Yeah, if, that's, if they're on a circuit, yeah. it's probably not going to be right, a right well, fit for exactly. EO. No, it is for other EO chapters. Other EO chapters do that. They take yeah. a lot of circuit speakers, but here we, ha- we made a little bit of a conscious choice to not do that because you can see those speakers somewhere else. But if you get a Marcus Blackmore or the, you know, we had the Harris Farm father and son duo. Yeah, that was you great. You don't see them. You know, they yeah. don't go on a circuit. Yeah. They did a huge favor for, for us to come. So it's a little bit of two two ways, you know, it's saying no politely because these are amazing people too. Yep. And then it's also getting the ones that are hard to get, as you say. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, look, we're going to wrap up the podcast now, um, the episode, that is. Um, so just a few quick questions for you. How old are sure. you? 36. And what do you do to keep fit? 
I surf. I love surfing. I love anything in the ocean. Yoga. Yeah, I I only do things that I enjoy. I don't okay. do gyms or anything. Okay. How many hours sleep are you getting each night? I my perfect perfect amount is eight. I usually get between seven and eight. Okay. And then, do you have any personal goals? You you touched on the continuation of the motorbike trip in the next twelve months. Yeah. What what are you looking to uh, achieve? Yeah, that's a big one. I I continue that over the next few years. And then also a lot. I I have another company called Ocean Lovers, and for that's a, a business goal is to obviously grow that company, but also personal goal is to be more involved in envi- environmental causes and i'm doing a project with actually eo sydney called e-ocean <laughs> which Love i will it. yeah which we can yeah. announce we can give a little teaser today yeah. but it's all about helping companies to be more sustainable in terms of less plastics and more environmentally friendly in a good way so that's yeah. a personal goal is also to do more of that good stuff and then finally uh what business achievement would you like to be most remembered for you know our vision and our our purpose statement here at all the different companies also the branding agency is to create ripple effects and what i'd like to be remembered for is to have created ripple effects for people everywhere that i see touch work with touch not physically touch you know like (laughs) (laughs) i know what you mean good (laughs) um and then um so if people want to find out a little bit more about francisca and also basic bananas where What's your website address? Yeah, so for to see what I'm involved in personally in the different companies that we run, it's you can just go to my own website. It's Francisca Easily, F-R-A-N-Z-I-S-K-A-I-S-E-L-I.com, FranciscaEasily.com. And then Basic Bananas is BasicBananas.com. Okay, Francisca, thanks very much for coming on.